When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there, friends, and welcome back. I am Stephanie Safarian, and you are listening to episode 135 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. On today's show, we are discussing five actionable ways you can extend your plastic-free efforts beyond July. Now, July is over. Plastic-free July is a thing of the past. And my goal for you with this episode is to take the hard work that you did all July into August with five new steps. Now, if you are a longtime listener and you are thinking to yourself right now, oh my gosh, an episode on plastic-free tips, we've done this before. You're right. You're a good listener, good ears. I have done this before. However, the five strategies we are talking about today to extend your plastic-free efforts, we have never talked about on this show before. Never. (laughs) Now, before we get into anything today, I just want to say a huge thank you to the 10 of you here in America who listened to me last week, asked for your podcast reviews. Thank you so much to the 10 of you and counting who heard my cry and gave reviews on Apple Podcasts for this show last week. So thank you so much. If you're an international listener and you left me a review, I have not seen it yet. There's a little bit of a lag with the international reviews, but thank you so much from the bottom of my heart to all of you. Now, this week's show notes, you can find them at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 135. That's M-A-M-A minimalist.com forward slash 135. Before we get into those five strategies, a little review as to what we've talked about before on this show. If you are listening and you are wondering, well, what's so bad with plastic? Remember that 40% of the plastic that is created each year in America is for single-use packaging, and very little of it gets recycled. Now, that should make you stagger a little bit. In past years, China took our recycling and did stuff with it. Now China does not, and it is on Americans to handle all the garbage and all the plastic. We've talked before on the show about how plastic is really choking our oceans. There was an episode on microplastics that was quite eye-opening for me personally as the interviewer. At least 13 million tons of plastic, that is a garbage truck's load, ends up in our oceans each minute. That is nuts. Then it gets stuck in the bellies of fish and seabirds. 
Bigger pieces are prime entanglement traps for some species. Something I learned when researching for this episode was that plastic waste in particular encourages the growth of pathogens in the ocean, and coral reefs that come into contact with plastic have an 89% chance of contracting disease. Now, I had a listener write to me and say, well, how does the plastic get into the ocean? That doesn't make any sense. How does it go from my garbage can or my recycling bin to the ocean? The short answer is that plastic is light, right? That's one of the qualities that makes plastic so desirable from a packaging standpoint. It's light. But because it's light, it can be easily transported by wind through the air, land in a waterway, a river network, let's say, then float down the river straight into the ocean. That is one way in which oceans become the dumping ground for all this darn plastic. So let's move right into strategy number one today on how you can use less of it. And that is to do the old switcheroo. Now, what on earth is the old switcheroo? The old switcheroo is something that I relied on heavily in my early days as a zero waste swapper. It is basically an ultimatum to myself. So I would say to myself, okay, this is the last time I'm buying this disposable product. I'm making that promise to myself. When this product runs out, I will be buying a zero waste alternative. I used to do this all the time because making that promise to myself meant that I had a buffer zone built in, the product running out, to research and get on board with a reusable swap. A quick example here is was my disposable razor. I knew all about safety razors, but I just had never had the time to do the research and find one that had the razor take back program that I was really interested in. So I said to myself, okay, I have this final box of disposable razor heads to go on my plastic Gillette razor or whatever it was. When that box runs out, I am investing in a zero waste alternative. I make this binding promise to myself and I'm reminded of that promise every time I take out one of those disposables from the box. It's like a real life sand timer, right? You know that when it's gone, it's gone for good. So you best get moving on that research and on that purchase if purchasing is available to you of that reusable item. So that's my strategy number one for you is do the old switcheroo by giving yourself ultimatums. Strategy number two for you today, you've likely heard before, but I'm going to give it a little spin, and that is to commit to unpackaged fruits and vegetable. One of the biggest ways that we can cut down on plastic in our own lives is by buying food that is unpackaged. If you are cognizant about packaging waste, you likely have noticed that the grocery store is very heavily reliant on packaging, particularly for their produce. And that is because supermarkets are stores and they exist to make a profit. Wrapping a cucumber, let's say, in a plastic sleeve can extend the life of that cucumber and therefore extend the potential for them to make a profit from that cucumber for up to a week. 
Every damaged or spoiled cucumber or whatever it might be is lost money. So the supermarkets, they rely on the plastic packaging to preserve what they're selling. And because airtight plastic packaging does indeed make food last longer, food and beverage packaging from supermarkets constitutes 40% of trash in U.S. landfills. So what does that mean if you're buying unpackaged fruit and vegetables? The first thing, obviously, would be to invest in your local farm. Go there, pick up your fruits and vegetables. It's likely unpackaged. Head to your farmer's market. If those are not available to you, then go to the grocery store and either bring with you some reusable produce bags or some pillowcases or just stick whatever it is in your cart. (laughs) I know that some of you listening are cringing right now, but bear with me. There are so many fruits in particular, like bananas, navel oranges, clementines, I could go on and on, that have natural packaging, skin, right? You're going to peel that off. And for everything else, think long and hard whether you already wash it when you get home anyway, right? I am in the practice, and I'm guessing that most of you are as well, of washing your produce before you eat it, because who knows what hands have been touching it. Same with a cart. If you're going to buy apples, let's say, and they're going to sit in your cart for 20 minutes, you will wash them when you get home, and you will wash off whatever residual germs got on the apple from the cart. Now, this is even more easy to get on board with when you think about vegetables that you're going to cook, like a zucchini. You're going to come home, you're going to wash it, and then you're going to cook it in boiling water or steam or however you're sauteing it. Those germs will be gone. So strategy number two is to commit to unpackaged fruits and vegetables. Make it a non-negotiable. Really quick here too is all those plastic packaging contraptions that fruit and vegetables come in these days, they are very, very, very rarely recycled. The clamshells that berries come in, the plastic bags or netting that apples come in, not recyclable. So if you can commit to unpackaged fruits and vegetables, you will go a long way in reducing how much plastic you rely on. Strategy number three is to get crafty with your snacking. Now, snack foods, beside produce, snack foods, tend to create a ton of waste, right? Think about your favorite snack. I'm willing to bet it's packaged in something that's not recyclable. So how do you get around this? You either try to cook much more at home from scratch using ingredients you have, or look for other snacks that you can make really easily so you're not tethered to the kitchen cooking all the time. My said before, my go-to is popcorn with a little bit of salt, actually a lot of salt and a lot of nutritional yeast. I do a gigantic batch on the weekends and then my family just snacks on it all week long. But you can do other things too. You can make your own trail mix using nuts and seeds and dried fruits. And if you have kids, maybe you entice them a little more to eat those nuts with some chocolate chips, right? You can get all those things or most of those things in the bulk bins at your local health food store or your local supermarket if your local supermarket has bulk bins. If none of that sounds appealing to you, then consider snacking on items that have natural packaging. So 
that orange, you're running out the door, you grab an orange. You don't need any any packaging to go along with that orange. Or you hard boil some eggs. That egg has that natural packaging. So I suggest you get creative here. When you think less about what snacks you can buy and more about what snacks you can make, a whole world of possibilities opens up for you. Now, strategy number four for extending your plastic-free efforts into August is not my tip. This came from a listener and Sustainable Minimalist Facebook group member, Danielle. I had to add it into this show because I just had never thought about it before. I learned something. And that is to do a restaurant audit. Now, a restaurant audit, it's genius, right? It is to choose restaurants that you know use minimum amounts of plastic, Now, how do you know? How do you know if restaurants use lots or little plastics? Well, it's part of the restaurant's culture. You determine the culture of that restaurant by observing them. Does your favorite restaurant ask if you want straws? Or do they just put them on the table? Or even worse, do they put them in your drink already unwrapped? If you ask for a condiment, do they put it in a small little reusable stainless steel bowl thing? Or do they put it in a plastic container, or even worse, do they throw, you know, little ketchup packets on the table? When you order online from your favorite restaurant, is there the option to ask for no cutlery? Or do they just automatically fill that bag with the plastic forks and the napkins and the, even worse, the plastic fork with the napkin wrapped in that plastic bag? So all these details really give you insight into the culture of the restaurant. And while these details may seem insignificant, these behaviors speak to the restaurant and whether they have sustainability in mind. So thank you, Danielle, so much for this tip. I'm using it in my own life. It's to do a restaurant audit. Now, finally, my fifth and final tip for you today to reduce your reliance on plastic is to learn to love your tap water. Now, of course, there is a caveat here, and that is as long as your tap water is drinkable. (laughs) Related to this tip is to learn to brew your own coffee. Various studies around the world have determined that humans throughout the world purchase one million water bottles each minute. Each minute, one million. That is insane. You do not have to be one of those people. If you are really great about not buying bottled water 99% of the time, but you occasionally trip up when it's a hot day and you're out doing errands and you need a sip of water, so you go ahead and buy that Dasani or whatever it is in the plastic bottle, what you need is you need another reusable water bottle. And you will keep that other reusable water bottle in your car if you use the car, or in your backpack or in your bag at all times. And it's empty. It's there if you need it. If you find yourself really wanting to buy a bottle of water, you take out that empty bottle and you fill it up at the nearest sink. Easy peasy. Now, if your tap water is not drinkable, right, you need a water filter. I have heard amazing things from dozens dozens of listeners about the Berkey filters. And so I will link to them in this week's show notes. I will say right off the bat, they are pricey, but everyone has said that they're worth it. 
if you love carbonated water, like my husband, he is seltzer obsessed. We used to buy the seltzers in the plastic bottles, and then we thought, all right, well, we'll buy them in the aluminum cans because aluminum's much more readily recycled than plastic, but that's still packaging waste. Whether you buy it in plastic or you buy it in the slightly better aluminum, it's still packaging waste. So to cut back on that waste, get yourself a carbonated water maker. We were just gifted the soda stream from my husband's in-laws for Father's Day, and the reviews were mixed online, but so far so good over here. It's not a completely zero waste option, but it is a significantly lower waste option. We are not buying the single-use, individually packaged seltzer drinks because we're making them at home. Now, with regard to coffee, there was once a time in my life, <laughs> back when I was a teacher, that I told myself I would not be able to get through the teaching day without my cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Without my styrofoam cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee, by the way. When I say that out loud and when I look back at that time of my life, I cringe because, number one, all that styrofoam, non-recyclable, just really indulgent and pointless waste. And then the second is because Dunkin' Donuts coffee, if you live in a place with Dunkin' Donuts coffee and you know what Dunkin' Donuts coffee is, I'm going to put it out there right now. Dunkin' Donuts coffee is not that good. <laughs> and I drink it every day for at least three years. Oh my goodness. I've since learned to brew my coffee at home and I know it to be true. Homemade coffee, especially coffee in a French press, tastes so much better than anything that you can purchase in a coffee shop. Now, if you don't know how to brew coffee, I suggest that you experiment. Keep tweaking your, <laughs> your recipe, your coffee recipe. That sounds silly, but you know what I mean. You keep tweaking what you're doing until you find a way to make your daily cup of coffee or your daily latte just as good as those $6 lattes at Starbucks. If you can't live without your Starbucks or your Dunkin' Donuts or your Pete's or whatever coffee chain you love to frequent, so simple is just to bring your own cup and hand it over to the barista with a smile. Now, <laughs> you might not want to do this, and I understand it can be nerve-wracking to go against the grain and do something different, but I suggest you try anyway. Just pretend you have been doing this all your life. Just smile, hand it over forcefully, hold eye contact, and hold that smile. I feel fairly confident in saying that the more you do it and the more you get uncomfortable, the less uncomfortable you'll feel over time. So that's a really long way of saying handing over your cup to the barista, your reusable cup, will get easier with time. So those are my five strategies for you today. Really quick, let's just review. The first strategy was to do the old switcheroo, which is to give yourself an ultimatum. Number two was to commit to unpackaged fruit and vegetables. Number three was to get serious about your zero or low waste snacks. Number four was to do a restaurant audit. And finally, number five, learn to love your tap water and your home-brewed coffee. In closing today, before we close today, just a really quick note on the importance of curbing our reliance on plastics. It can seem 
like an impossible task, right? It can be very easy to just do what everybody else is doing, rely on those single-use plastics, and move along with our days. We have more important things to worry about, right? But it's important to note and it's important to remember that plastic creation is only set to increase in the coming decades, which sounds crazy and totally against common sense, but it is true. The fossil fuels industry and the plastics industry are uniquely and financially intertwined. So the fossil fuels industry wants to create more plastics because when you create plastics, you need fossil fuels. And of course, fossil fuels are non-renewable and fossil fuels, when burned, release greenhouse gases into the air. So plastic creation is warming our already warm planet. The resulting plastic is littering and literally trashing our planet. It just doesn't stand up to reason. However, it is true. Plastic production is set to increase in the next 20 years. It's not going anywhere. So where I'm going with this is to say that it is on you and me to step back, assess and reassess constantly reassess how much plastic we're using, why we're using it, and whether we truly need it. Quick reminder, this week's show notes are at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 135. That's M-A-M-A minimalist.com forward slash 135. And if you have not left a review yet for the show, if you have not told a friend yet, but you really, really want to, it's on your back burner to-do list. Now's the time. Thank you so much for supporting the show and spreading the sustainable minimalist love. I will see you next week when we're talking about the five pillars of responsible decluttering. See you then. Have an amazing week. Stay home and stay healthy, my friends. Take care.